This week on the Boag World Show, we look at how web typography can transform a site and what you need to do to get the most from it. Welcome to BoagWorld.com, the podcast for those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul. Joining me as always is Marcus. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> Hello, Paul. I'm feeling in a really jolly mood today. Is it because the sun's shining? Is it? <laughs> is it? I, I don't look out the window. <laughs> yeah, oh, I haven't opened the blinds no, yet. No, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I, honestly, it's not shining, it's shining here. It's oh, a right. bit dull and miserable. No, I'm... I, do you know, I'm just reveling in being at home and doing work. Right, yes, instead of travelling around the world. It's wonderful. And, <laughs> and, and I, you know, last night I was lying in bed thinking, I'm really looking forward to work tomorrow, which is a good place to be, I think. It is. I'm normally quite good at Mondays, because Monday is like a new thing. Oh, new thing, St- Monday. Starting again. Yeah, but then sort of by Tuesday, it's like, yeah. Ah, uh, tomorrow I'm <laughs> off. I'm off presenting to a client... Well, a, a kind of internal organisational conferencey thing they're doing, and right. that's always huge fun as well. I like that as well because you meet lots of cool people, and unlike a, no- a normal conference, you know that everyone's on the same page. Do you know what yes. I mean? They're all at the same point. They're all faced with the same challenge, and you can just go in there and kind of do your biz, which is really good. And you get loads of information beforehand, so you you make can make sure your presentation is really relevant to the audience, and it's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm off to Super. do that tomorrow. An insurance company. There you go. We've no, yes. we've not done any work in, with insurance companies, have we? I don't think so. We haven't done a lot in the finance sector, really, have we? No. Yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe we're a bit too jolly. Too happy. <laughs> no, we're not most of the time. I think we're very grown up Yeah. compared to a lot of web agencies anyway. <laughs> I know we joke and mess around on this podcast, but we are old and decrepit. Yes, and very sensible and tie-wearing. And we've, well, Chris is tie-wearing. <laughs> and we've got the grey hair. That always goes a long way, I think. You've certainly got lots of that, yeah. So here we go. So, so yes, what's been going on in your world, Marcus? I don't feel like I've spoken to you since last week. I haven't spoken to you since last week. I've been doing lots of work, Paul. Ah. <laughs> now, I've got, I'm, I'm, we're about to kick off a project uh, where I'm having to do lots of interviews. Oh, right. So they're kicking off tomorrow. Lots of, you know, it's the kind of thing which is, it won't take, you know, it's kind of half an hour probably for each phone call. Um, but they kind of, disrupts your day and when you're trying to finish off huge proposal documents in between them it, it kind of does your head oh it drives but, me but nuts that does i'll live stakeholder interviews are they're quite uh, yeah they're just very disruptive they're really important but very mm. disruptive are these internal people or or end users no. what who are you talking to these are end users oh that's a bit more interesting and i'm got a all day next monday doing internal people oh, okay so, yeah. And is that that's all over the phone? 
No, the internal lot are all up at their office. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because it's really hard over the phone. Because sometimes, especially, I mean, doing doing, um, end-users interviews over the phone is not ideal, is it? Sometimes you've got no choice. But I always think you want to be in the room because sometimes people pull faces. Have you noticed (laughs) that? Yeah. When you ask a question, they pull a face and you think, aha, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, I've done it so far. So I've done it for so long now, though. I I know when I, I can even prompt people with certain questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a, there is a definite art to it, isn't it? It's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know how uh, how different people um, you know respond in different ways, and how you have to tease information out of it. You're much better at it than I am. You're you're good at that kind of stuff. I find it fascinating. Very kind of people. Well, there's but not much you, you're better at me. Than. <laughs> That's true because you're good at everything. Because I'm, I'm good at everything. This is I what mean, we obviously, if I, last if time. I, you know, if I put the effort in, I would be much better at it than you. <laughs> That's right. The only thing that I could think of that I might be better than you only might be is playing the guitar. Oh no, you're definitely better than me at that. <laughs> I can't even clap in time. That's what I've been doing quite a lot of though lately. Because I probably said this last week, but I've been doing a bit of recording with the band because we might be. We're, well, we're trying to get into a festival on the Isle of Wight. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that last week. So I've been kind of in between writing lots of proposals and uh, and the like. I've been sort of mixing this and getting that together and sending tracks off to other people. So it's all been a bit busy, busy. But it's but good. It's okay, because I'm going on holiday very soon. Yeah, when are you going on holiday? <laughs> Week on Friday. Okay, so so we've got one more podcast, episode 17, <clears throat> yep. um, which we've got scheduled in. And then you're going to be away for how long? Nearly three weeks. <gasps> right. I wonder whether we ought to just... We, perhaps it's just we take a long break until after Christmas. Sounds good to me. <laughs> that is a very long break, mine. So that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's like almost two months. Yeah. That might be too Maybe long, Maybe we it? shouldn't do that. But but obviously, we, we won't be able to do any while I'm away. Yeah. And then we'll come back, maybe do a few, and then we'll have another break because of Christmas. But yeah, that's whatever. I'm easy. Mm, I need to think about that. We definitely got to do a Christmas special. Okay. Perhaps we just do a Christmas special, but put a bit more effort into it. Because <laughs> our Christmas specials aren't often very special, are they, really? No, they're kind of the opposite of special. They are uh, a, a Christmas average. Well, they're more of a Christmas can't be arsed, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. But we could... We say, we say the word Christmas. Yeah, we say... <laughs> and we have a list of top ten presents you might like yeah we've kind of already done that as part of this series anyway we've already done that so i'm stuffed so yeah. what i'm thinking is maybe we could get some different people on the show just to get sh- to share little christmasy stories or something i don't know we did that last year didn't we we had andy clark and sarah Parmenter. yes so we'll come up with something special and then and then mm. basically we'll have a really long break but with a nice christmas special in the middle of it it, it might even be a kind of you know a couple of episodes or something. I don't know. I need to think about it. I'm getting quite excited about that now. Although I'm getting quite excited about Christmas. Is that a bit premature? Little bit premature. I'll tell you why. Because I went to Comic-Con over the weekend. What's that? Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> Comic-Con is one of these big kind of geeky comic book conventions where everybody oh. dresses up. Uh, yeah, right. And I'm going to go to something like that. I went to it, is what I'm saying, <laughs> over the weekend. But you should know about these things. Why? Get hip with the kids. <laughs> That's, kids aren't into things like that. Oh, they, they are. Old men are into things they like that. They were all teenagers there. Really? Yeah, Kath felt very old and out of place. <laughs> 
Well, uh, it was huge fun, and there's so many cool things to buy. It was very right. exciting, which is what got me excited about Christmas. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I, I like Christmas because it's time off. That's true. I but. like Christmas because I always have a Christmas <laughs> video game that I then mm. play all over Christmas. I just sit there drinking Coke, eating crap food, and playing com- video games. That's my life. If I can find a game I like, then I I do the same. But I mean, they're they're few and far between. Well, I, I, like. I tried. Um, I, that's uh, Comic Con. I tried out uh, Far Cry Four, which is coming out soon. See, that just sounds complicated. It wasn't. It was a first person shooter, and it's a lot of fun. Well, that sounds dull then. No, no, it was really good. Really good. Although I learned a valuable life lesson: don't <laughs> shoot an elephant in the ass with a crossbow. They don't like it. <laughs> There it goes. <laughs> okay. That's, I pass that. I'll bear that in mind. I pass that word of wisdom onto my son afterwards. He was incredibly jealous because you had to be over 18 to play all of these games, you see. So right. he couldn't play any of them. Ha ha. Serves him right <laughs> for being young. Should we kick off the show? Yeah. I've looked at the show notes and I'm thinking, not sure I've got an awful lot to add this week. Probably not. <laughs> but that's okay because we're going to be talking about web typography. I think you will because you you care about design. Oh, I do. Yes. Um, so I think you'll be surprised. So this okay. one's been inspired by um, Jason Parmental, who is a great um, speaker and writer um, on all things typographic, and he's written a book as well. I can't remember mm. what the book's called. Let's find out. Copy. Yeah, he's really good. We met him earlier this year. He's a nice guy as well. I like yeah. nice people. But knows his stuff. <laughs> That's probably the most inane. Yeah, I like nice I people. I like most nice people. The most <laughs> inane comment ever. So his book's on responsive typography, mm. which I didn't even realise was a thing until Dan and, and Ed educated me mm-hmm. when they did stuff on the uh, Boag World site. And now I'm really into it. But we're going to broaden it out a bit further than just responsive typography. We're going to look at web typography as a whole. So he suggests, Jason suggested this as a topic. He made a whole load of recommendations of of points we might want to cover. I've obviously ignored a lot of those, mainly because I did Because you're better than everyone else. No, no, actually, (laughs) precisely the opposite. Because I didn't entirely understand all the things he was suggesting. (laughs) Did he use long words? And didn't feel like I could talk intelligently on them. So instead, I've kind of mixed his stuff with my stuff and created this hybrid monster. A Frankenstein of web typography. I'm so excited. So should we kick off with number one, then? So number one is that fonts are not the limit of web typography. Because ever since they were, there was a good, in the good old days, Mm. Marcus, when we were young. (laughs) The the internet didn't exist. We were younger then. Yes, younger. <laughs> well, you know, when you didn't, you couldn't embed fonts, right? So there was, you know, this time when you were basically stuck with the the safe web fonts. Yeah, yeah. Which, we kind of knew where you were. There is that. Yeah, and actually, I almost think in some ways that created some better typography than we see today. And the reason was is because you had to concentrate on the other elements of typography other than the selection of fonts. Um, and that meant you put a lot more attention into line height and spacing and kerning and all of those kinds of things, which are really important to creating nice typography and typography that has a real impact. Um, but now when you kind of can just throw fonts at the problem, 
Um, I think sometimes, it, it, not always, but sometimes it can lead to lazy typography. And typography is so important. I know you, you agree with that because that's what you've always wanted for the Headscape and Boag World site, isn't it? Just nice, clean typography. Yes. I thought you might expand on that point a bit. <laughs> yes, Paul, that's correct. Um, yeah, well, when we first started working with John Hicks on the Headscape logo and kind of corporate ID for want of a, be- a better um, um, way of saying that, but um, he he did some mood boards for us, didn't he? He did loads. Yes, he did. About he did. eight or nine. And one of them was really kind of black and white and grey um, serif type fonts, that kind of thing. And I just thought, that's I love that. That's my kind of style of design. But at the time, it wasn't right for us. We needed something that was a bit more fun. Yeah. Well, I now guess. we're not fun. Yeah, we're not fun anymore. As dis- we're, And we're grey. So we're we fun and grey. So yeah. our website is now, or not fun and grey. So our website has now become serious and grey and black yeah. and white. But yeah, and just when things are spacing between headings and you know emphasis paragraphs are considered and things like that just to kind of get the right balance is i think uh, uh, it, it you, if you do it well it's the one of my favorite visual um types of design absolutely i think you know it's and and that's why uh, it's really funny I'm, i've just started writing um uh, a series on on boag world about different um people in the headscape team i thought it would be a nice idea to maybe kind of talk a little bit more about the team that we have Mm. and the first one i wrote was on on um ed and that was one of the things i said with him is that you know he is so good at making typography work hard um i'll put a link link in the show notes to the the article i wrote and and that whole thing about getting balance of typography and getting Mm. it all to work together and he you know very rarely he will you know he won't with his, the choice of fonts, you know, it's very minimalistic. And sometimes he does just stick with web-safe fonts. He doesn't mm. always feel the need to kind of go out and get another font and add it into the mix because he can do such incredible things with just the most basic of fonts because, you know, he, he kind of he, he takes typography as a whole rather than just think of it in terms of fonts. I'll tell you something else he's really good at. But that is point number two. So let's move on to point number two. Yeah, the other thing that Ed is just brilliant at is this idea of less is more. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That that I think when it comes to typography, sometimes you can completely ruin a design by using too many fonts or too many different weights or, you know, or just having too much typography all going on at the same time. And and Ed is brilliant at, at kind of reducing stuff to its bare minimum, you know, reducing it enough to be good, but not so much is it becomes stark, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I'm. Uh, yeah, it's it is a it's a definite skill because obviously I put together a lot of documents, um, and when we were um, changing the the style of the website, we changed the style of our documentation to match. Um, and I thought, well, I, yeah, I can easily do that. I can easily translate that over. And <laughs> I, I mean, it was sort of okay, but I, I just I don't have that eye no. that he's got. So it's, it's interesting. I don't with typography either. As a designer, I mean, I don't think I was ever a, 
an amazing designer. I wasn't kind of Ed's standard of designer. I was, I was good. I, you know, I could do the stuff, but I would often have to, uh, to rely on other things to make my design work, color or mm. imagery or whatever else. And I think it takes a particular skill level to be able to, to, you know, just use design very, very, su- it's not design, sorry, typography really, really subtly to, to, you know, use it with a light hand i was always a very heavy-handed designer (laughs) i'm a very heavy-handed person i think that's probably where it comes from um and i really admire people that that can have such a light touch whether on design or typography another example of that is um another person that's really good at that is cameron mole linked to him in the show notes you know who's got this very subtle light hand with design and i mean he does the most incredible things with typography i mean he creates you know entire um, pictures from typographic elements you know oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah i've seen those so he he does real beautiful things with typography but when it comes to the 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 web design he doesn't do so much of that anymore but when it comes to the web design that he always produced it was always this less is more attitude this kind of laws of simplicity kind of thing um which again is a topic i've written about and i'll put a link in the show notes to that as well so yeah when it comes to typography don't get carried away don't don't start using too many fonts or too many different weights pair it back all the time pair it back to its minimum and see if you can get it to work so there you go that's the second point let's move on to the number third Number third? <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> yes, number three. Here we go. Um, after saying less is more, um, when it comes to selecting your your fonts, it is worth looking for a font that has an extended family to it. Um, because, uh, so for example, Ed has, um, picked for the, the Boagwan Headscape site, a lovely font called Merryweather. Um, and Merryweather's great because, um, for a start, it's got lots of different weights to it that you can use if you want to. It's got, you know, italic and, um, black and bold and all those kinds of things, which gives you more flexibility without necessarily adding more families into the mix if that makes sense mm. but also merryweather has got a sans serif version that we could draw upon if we wanted to not that we've ever felt the need because ed being the genius that he is um and that less is more thing means that we don't feel the need to but you you've got the option there there is a kind of a set that you can work with um and that i find is so useful to have those different weights um that you can draw upon as you need them i don't think there's much more to say on that one really talking of pairing fonts this is a real art Uh, if you if you do use more than one font be careful what you pair it with because you can take two really nice fonts put them together and it looks awful yes (laughs) <laughs> which is a challenging one i've noticed actually i was um i had to go to google fonts because obviously i don't design a huge amount anymore and i don't claim to be a designer um so a lot of these uh, tricks and tips i'm talking about are either stolen from from jason or learnt from other designers but i noticed that if you go to google fonts now um and you look at that um you know you go through to a font it actually suggests sometimes fonts that it could, you could pair it with 
which I think is really nice. And there are other, I believe there are a whole variety of different um, services out there that, that you can basically say, well, I've got this font, what font goes well with it? Some people can do it instinctively, but I'm not very good at it. Um, so it's nice when there are tools out there that can help you. I'll put a link in the show notes to a tool that maybe um, can help you do that. It's almost like pairing a wine with your dinner. I can do that. Can you? See, <laughs> yeah. see I can't do that either. I just don't have... I'm just not sophisticated enough, basically. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. No no problem with wine. I think with pick, choosing fonts, I think fonts should... And this is relating very much to kind of... What's the word I'm looking for? Functional websites, functional documents, that kind of thing. I like the idea of um, having a font for all of your copy and having a different font for captions and stuff like that so rather than maybe the way a poster designer might view pairing different fonts for to get across a a message here and a message there which i have not a clue about Mm. i think this idea of right all my captions and all my uh all the the copy within tables is going to be off the top of my head helvetica something really plain whereas um, all of the kind of body copy, if you like, will be something a little bit more interesting, maybe. So basically saying for a kind of rules-based thing, this is when you use this font and that's when you use a different font, rather than a kind of more art- artistic approach like a, a poster designer would use. Yeah, because there are very different ways. You're, very, you're right there, you've hit on something that's quite important, which is there are very different ways of using type of typography. You know, there's the the kind of using typography um as a communication element in other words you know for a document or a website Mm. stuff like that and then there's using typography as a design element Mm. and when you're using it as a design element i think the the rules for pairing those fonts together is very different it's more of a an artistic decision yeah i have no clue on that one they always look rubbish because occasionally i'll i will design a ticket or something like that for a gig and i've just they look like they've been done by an amateur because they have been yeah (laughs) and it is fascinating but when you're trying to pair fonts for you know more of a legibility readability kind of thing then you face different kind of challenges it's Mm. a different process but it is definitely something if you are a designer you should be looking carefully at pairing fonts together and, and how to do that and if you're not a designer i hope what all of this this discussion leaves you with because obviously you're not going to be massively interested in all of this stuff but it should leave you with be very careful before you start telling a designer what to do uh, yeah. Be- well, yeah, and the design isn't just colouring things in. Yeah, because there is a lot of complexity in something like web t- typography that is really easy for you to go, oh, yeah, well, I-, I want the site to look more fun, so can I have Comic Sans, please? You know, okay, that's a really extreme, stupid example. But it's very easy to start saying, oh, can we do this with the font and that with the font? And you're going to ruin the whole balance of everything because everything balances and fits together, including the choice of fonts and what's paired with what. Mm. Hey, talking about legibility and readability, that brings us on to number five. So I think... that this this is a really important point that legibility and readability must come first certainly with web design i I accept that there are lots of of situations where 
legibility and readability isn't as important but i think when it comes to working with web typography it's got to be at the heart of everything you do if you can't you know you can have a lovely font that is beautiful but it, if it doesn't work well when it's reduced to a small size then you've got a problem because the trouble is you don't know what someone is going to do with you know the type you you you, you can't fix type sizes in the same way as you would with print so it's perfectly possible someone might be looking at it on a mobile device you know a really high screen resolution that makes your font look much smaller and becomes much more difficult to read you've got to worry about blind people like marcus um you know there's and and you know uh, and also you've got to consider you know screens that aren't as high resolution where your fonts start to break up and the fact that you know windows is shit at anti-aliasing text and you know all of these kinds of different things that need to be considered about the legibility and readability of of your font choices so yeah i think that's that's a a really good point that i think we're guilty of or our designers are guilty of they have lovely um shiny mac screens um and they design on them and often i mean i i use a, <clears throat> a samsung samsung separate monitor um and i'll often see initial versions of designs and something that is clear on the the big apple screen doesn't come across clearly on on the samsung one so yeah test, testing is not just about browsers uh, it's also about screens and you know how legible stuff is on those screens. I always find that the 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 fonts that are the most problematic are actually the most attractive fonts as well. Yeah. They're the fonts that are very thin. Have got these you know thin lines to them mm. that that looks beautiful you know on a good high resolution um, display, mm. but just kind of break up and look horrible you know on a on a um a, a not a good display and unfortunately we can't go and give everybody you know the displays we want them to have no which is a bit rubbish i think everybody <laughs> should be given a nice mac you know actually everybody should have a new imac with the gorgeous 5k retina displays they're not that much money actually so, so we're gonna. So you're offering to buy everybody in the world one of these. Mats. No, I'm just trying to make the case for me to have one. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, legibility and readability. Really, make sure that's at the top of your list. It should have been number one in our list, but it was number five instead. So let's move on to number six. So number six is a, a boring but important one. Boring if you're a designer, important if you're a user, which is always watch your site's performance. Boy, fonts can become huge, can't they? Very, very quickly. If you start um, adding loads of fonts onto your website, it is just going to absolutely hammer the performance of your website. And that's another thing I like about the Google free fonts is that as you add things to your font, um, the fonts that you want to deliver... Um, it tells you how much they're how much they're going up in size, and you get this like red warning light if you go up too high. <laughs> I didn't know. I've noticed that it's it's really very good actually because because of course you want to you're not just adding one font even if you you're just using Merriweather like we are on, on mm. our site 
that isn't just one font because each of the weights are individual fonts so all of it begins to add up very very quickly and then you add a second font in and a third font and you're doing this and that and the other and before you know it it becomes massive so really be very um selective as you add your fonts you know if you're using something like um you know a google fonts or whatever then make sure you only put you know select the weights that you need and only the character sets that you need you know don't start putting in um you know the the greek character set if you're not going to be delivering it you know uh, to you know to that audience um and just be really really selective and careful because it's important and it's not just um that actually it's not just about what fonts you select it's also about how you're delivering those fonts as well so um you know what service are you using to deliver them are you using google fonts or are you using um type kit or font deck or because that matters as well because obviously it's got a you know at the time it takes to pull back that font from wherever it is that you're using it so you know be very careful over that as well the one of the reasons why i like google fonts quite a lot other than the fact that they're free is because um you, you so many sites use google fonts so that means if someone has visited a, a website previously that has got your font fa- um in in other mm. words is using the same font as you then that's ca- may well be cached for the user um which means it'll download faster um you know if you're using a less well-known service um then that might not be the case you might not get the the speed performance from that as well also there's just the uh, there's even the technology that is used to embed the font in your um um on your site you know things like um font deck and type kit you know they they have um to put various protections to stop people getting at the font because these are fonts that are owned mm. um while something like font um google fonts they're giving you direct access to the font because it's an open source one that they're giving away and so that imp- again has benefits in terms of performance that need to be considered and i'm not saying don't use these other um services i'm just saying you know think carefully about how you're using them um because um you know it will have an impact the other thing you need to think about is is how that font is loaded into the page as well you know um are you going to stop the whole page rendering because that font isn't in place or are you going to show an alternative font you know that's a default font that's already on the system um before you then load in your own font um uh and actually i'm a great fan of doing that you know not forcing a user to wait but use an alternative font because with a little bit of kind of tender loving care you can actually um not have this huge jump jarring experience when when it goes from the default front um uh, across to your kind of normal font um because you've adjusted the kerning etc so that things don't suddenly jump from one line to another so with a bit of attention you can you can you know actually load the page very fast and then bring in your additional font afterwards um so all of that can kind of help with the the performance in terms of how you use your fonts talking of using default fonts (laughs) right and not just using web-based fonts but actually having another font first that brings us on to the subject of font stacks which is on number seven so i think sometimes people can get hung up on this idea of um you know oh i'm going to use this fancy web font and then they kind of forget 
Yeah, you know, well, if I'm loading in this font, I don't need to have a font stack. But there are all kinds of reasons why that font might not be delivered for whatever reason. Either the, yeah. the that was stuff something that all of this kind of thing was, if I remember correctly, was what Jason Pimentel was talking about on his talk. I thought, oh, I'd never thought of that, and I actually went back and talked to Dan and Ed and Chris about it. Um, this this idea of you should be. Um, falling back onto font stacks and, and you should also be matching them like you're saying a bit of love and love and attention if you match up the closest um yeah non-google or non-font deck font or whatever then you can get a get a, a kind of in-between stage that doesn't look a million miles off and all this kind of that's where i heard it mm. i knew i heard it at some presentation somewhere it was jason was it it was now where was that it was at um it was in london um that doesn't narrow it down uh, very uh, much fode fode was it yeah i'll see if i can i'll have a look and see if i can find that presentation because it was an absolutely excellent one wasn't it and yes. he you know it was really quite impressive how you know he took a, a really nice web-based serif font um and then you know um he said well look this is what the page would look like if you you take that serif font and just fall back onto Google, and it was everybody went, "Ugh, that's horrible," you know, because and you get this flash of of Georgia coming in. I said Google, didn't I? I meant yes, Georgia. Um, uh, so you get this flash of Georgia for a minute, and then the font loads in, and you get this oh, oh really uncomfortable jarring jump. But then he went on to just say, well, if we mess with the kerning and if we do this and we do that to the Georgia-based version of it, and then suddenly it just didn't look too bad at all. It looked quite a good transition, didn't it? Yeah, it was um, it, it was just something I'd never thought of, and I always like that when I go to a conference and someone says stuff that you just think, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bloody obvious, really. Yeah, <laughs> and he really encouraged us to pay attention to the whole font stack, and it yeah. is really important because sometimes, you know there's all kinds of reasons why that font might not get loaded in mm. and you still want your website to look good even if your first preference of font is not there um so absolutely always have a fallback to a to a kind of safer font somewhere down the line as well um so that's yeah there's not much else to say on number seven so let's move on to number eight this is where you really get into jason's territory which yes. is making sure your typography is proportional or responsive. Um, and this is the thing that I love the most about the Boag World design that, that Ed and Dan did, is um, as you scale that, the typography adapts to the available space. So you don't end up with this thing, which, you know, it, it's, it sounds so obvious, but so many people don't do it. it okay, you scale your website down to, to um, you know, mobile size, for example, and you've only got like two words per line because of, on the headlines because they're made too big yeah. and they haven't been set to, to resize accordingly. Um, so it's really important to make your typography proportional as well as your layout and that the both adapt um, together. And we actually talked about this, didn't we, on the, when we did the, the advice for um, responsive web design. Yes. Um, and I actually talked about that, there, there, you know, there is 
um, uh, CSS properties that allow you to do this really easily. And I put a link in the show notes and I will put a link in the show notes again that actually allow you to make your typography proportional to the viewport that's available. Um, and that allows you to, to kind of get around all of these problems. So you don't need to create hundreds of breakpoints for, to adjust the typography at different stages. You know, it, it's quite a simple process to get that, that your typography to scale down really nicely as the browser resizes. It so, does make um, designing responsibly or, or those points, choosing where things break, it makes it more difficult. Because it's not just a case of line length anymore. It's like, oh, that's, no. that, that line length's too long, so we, we should break it there. Because actually, if you're changing that, then it's going to happen later or earlier. I, my brain can't work that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just makes it more complicated. But then that responsive design is not as easy as everybody makes it out to be. Um, you know, it, the, there are complexities into, in it that you do need to worry about. And considering typography is one of them, I'm afraid to say. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. Okay, number nine. So, so far, we've kind of concentrated very much on the practicalities. But I just wanted to put one in that I think is a really important one, which is to to get creative with your typography. And I think print design is a great place to look with this. You know, um, print design does some beautiful things with typography of, you know, typography um, overlapping one another or or, uh, coming in angles or being rotated or doing all these really fancy things. And they do all these gorgeous stuff that for such a long time was beyond us as web designers. And I think we've kind of you fall into patterns of behaviors when you have a constraint for long enough even if that constraint's taken away you you kind of carry on in the old way of doing things and i think this is a great example of that that you know we've got css transform now we can rotate typography we can you know even 3d transform photography do all uh, photography typography you can do all kinds of really clever things now but we're stuck in you know these these very kind of rigid um, uh, constraints that are no longer there and so go and have a look at great typographic design in print and if you go and do that you'll be absolutely inspired um, because there's some really wonderful stuff and I would love to see some more creative uses of typography and websites than we've got at the moment Um, so yeah be inspired get out there and do some really cool stuff okay let's wrap up then with number 10 um i've inspired you with some creativity um but i do want to leave you with just one final little piece of practical advice which of course marcus did ruin earlier because you talked about this you talked about the, the need for typographic hierarchy I mentioned it, that's all. In passing. Yes. Um, and, but it's really, it's really important to get that kind of different weighting. I think one of the most newbie mistakes when it comes to typography is not having a bigger differentiation between different levels of typography. So, you know, your headings need to be considerably better. Um, sorry, um, di- you know, different weighted or different sizes between each version because it's that that hierarchy that adds a real um, weight um, and effectiveness to, to your um, typography design and tells the user what's important and what's less important. Mm. And that's not just about weight and size. It's about spacing and lots of other things. But create that hierarchy. Do a bit of reading about it. So there's some great um, stuff written about typographic hierarchy. Um, and it will really bring your designs alive and make them so much more 
So that's really all I wanted to say about typography. I know for some people that listen to this show who, who are not designers, you you know that might not have been the best show for you. But I hope it's shown you how complex typography is and how incredible it can be. It can be really, really beautiful and it can make such a difference to a design. Um, and type, uh, typography... It's easy to dismiss, but it is fundamental to the web because the truth is that the web is still primarily a typographic uh, medium. Mm. Um, And so we kind of need to give it the attention and love it deserves. So that's all I want to say on that. Marcus, do you have a joke for us? I do. Um, This, I think, yes, this was Lee. So let's all blame Lee, who hasn't been on the show for a while. Yeah, we Uh, need to get him back in. But anyway, here we go. Why couldn't the sesame seed stop? Why couldn't the sesame seed stop? I don't know. Go on. Because he was on a roll. Okay, Lee. Lee's not coming on the show again. That's that's like five-year-old humour. It is five-year-old humour. And that normally... I mean, it's even, even I was thinking, oh, no, but it's the only one I had. It's the only one you had, so you need some more. Yeah. Send me more jokes, people. Yay! <laughs> All right. So that's good stuff. Um... You can send Marcus jokes at uh, Marcus at Boagworld.com. Suggestions for this season. Actually, I don't need any because there's only one more to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. One more of this season. And then finally, we can get away from the top 10 things. Yeah. Some of them, I think, have been good. Some of them have been sort of a bit like stretching it out a bit. What? Like this one? <laughs> like this one. <laughs> <laughs> Next season, mine, we're going to do something really cool. We're going to do masterclasses where we're going to get in different experts um, to push us in specific areas, right? Because, you know, let's be honest, Marcus, we're, we're pretty generalists, aren't we? Yes. So what I thought we'd get, we'd get in some real experts in different areas to kind of, you know, to, to teach us a thing or two. Sounds good. Which I think will be a really great season. But we've got one more of this season to go, and I will make sure it's a good one and meets Marcus's approval. And that will be next week, so we will talk to you then. Thank you.